Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. I want you to say this to God. I'm not ashamed of you, God. Come on. I'm not ashamed of you, God. Oh, hallelujah. Easy to do in here. Not so much outside. But he warns, if you refuse to get saved because you're afraid of man, then on judgment day, I will say these words. I never knew you. And your fear of man will destine you to hell. I can't get to heaven by being afraid what people will think of me when I admit I'm a sinner. By the way, everyone is a sinner. That sin thing, nobody talks about the stuff except some Christians. It is, however, the first necessary step towards reconciliation with God. Israel had lots of sacrifices to temporarily wipe away past sin. Jesus spoke of it as well. We'll notice, as Pastor Mark teaches here, that Jesus warns us that without taking the full steps of confession of sin and acceptance of Jesus' salvation offer, there's no way into heaven. In fact, Jesus will deny in front of God any knowledge of us. That's quite a sobering thought, one that should be carefully contemplated. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark with part two of his message, Get Real, Confess Christ, Defeat Greed. Fear him who, speaking of God, after killing of the body, has power to throw you into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. So what is Jesus talking about? Here's what you want to write. Do not fear persecution from man. God has you covered. See, Jesus knew, he's talking to his disciples, he calls them friends. Jesus knew he would die as a result of persecution from the Pharisees, from the Romans. Really, he gave himself. He didn't dare not to cause. He gave his life so that we could be saved. But he knew his disciples Every single one of the 11 of the 12 died by persecution. He knew they would experience this. So you say, well, Pastor Mark, I understand that Jesus and his disciples are going to be killed because of persecution. But what in the world does that have to do with me? Well, let me ask you a question. Do you think the United States is going to be void of persecution of Christians in the future? No, we're smart enough to, anybody says, oh yeah, we won't have that trouble. I don't know where you live. If I mention to you around the world, ISIS, and you live in an area where ISIS is controlling it, what's your chance of being persecuted? Probably 100%. I read a thing yesterday, true story, over in an area where ISIS controls in the Middle East, there was a Christian, there's lots of Christians, and 
and this girl was in an office and they were drinking and all they had was a bowl. So she drank out of the bowl and the other people in the office refused to drink after. You've contaminated the water, you Christian. And they went to the ISIS people and they said, blasphemy. You blasphemed Allah. And she's in prison this morning. You say, well, Pastor Mike, that's over there. None of that stuff's coming here. Wise up. Now, what is Jesus trying to say? He's saying if you're a Christian, by the way, how many of you think you will die at some point? That was a very difficult question. The statistics never change. It's one out of one. Now, how many of you this morning know how you're going to die? None of us. So what Jesus is saying is, don't fear dying. Why don't we fear dying? Because on the cross, Jesus defeated death, Satan, and hell. So when I die, however I die, would I prefer to die without persecution? Everybody say, amen. Do I have a choice? Not really. God's sovereign. Whatever he does, he does. So we're going to die. But after death, there's a verse you should know. It's appointed unto man once to die and after death the judgment. But here's the other one. Absent from this body, I'm getting ready, present with the Lord. Present with the Lord. We're going to heaven. But he says, if you're fearing man, you won't become a believer. And then you will need to fear God. Because now he's the judge and you will be separated from God forever because you refuse Jesus Christ. Why? The fear of God of man, what people are going to say. So it's a principle for us. As a Christian, I don't know what to do with this persecution. Here's the other thing that happens in all of these things. If I'm ashamed or fearful of what man thinks or what man can do with me, here's what will happen. I will eventually compromise. And I'll pretend I'm not a Christian so I can save my skin And compromise Christian life is useless. There's the hypocrite again. Now, understand how much God loves us. Look at verse 6. And are not five sparrows, the little sparrows, sold for two pennies? And not one of them is forgotten by God. That's amazing. Indeed, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. What is Jesus saying right after? He talks about us having maybe possibly going to have to die to the persecution. He says, wait, God values you. You're not going to die with persecution or death. That was never my plan, but I'm going to take care of you. While you're here, I'm going to be taken. Even if you have to die, that did he say. Remember what Peter did? That Peter that denied the Lord? How did Peter die? Peter died upside down on a cross. You know who asked to do that? Peter. He said, I'm not worthy to die like this. Turn me upside down, and they crucified him upside down. You see, he knew God had cared for him. He knew he had blown it, and God forgave him. So as you think about this, all Jesus is trying to say is this. Just worship God, fear God, respect God, obey God, and live life without fearing what man can do for you. My, By the way, this morning, verse to you, your life is in the hand of God today. And if you're a Christian, whatever happens here, then you're going to be with the Lord. That's a beautiful thing to have in our heart. Now he comes to a part where compromising 
becomes a real danger. Look at verse 8. I tell you, whoever acknowledges me before men, the son of man, will also acknowledge him before the angels of God. But he who disowns me before men will be disowned before the angels of God. Here's what Jesus is saying. He's saying to you, and he's saying to me this morning, never be afraid to openly confess Christ as your Savior. Never be afraid. Let me ask you this morning, and I say this with kindness. Are Muslims afraid to say, Allah is my God? Are they? No, they throw the rag down three times a day. They'll say it right to your face. Before the radical Muslims, the other knuckleheads, 5% or 2% of the rest of them aren't radical like that. What will they say as they get ready? Honor to Allah. (laughs) Kill everybody. See, they're not ashamed. How many Christians are ashamed? Say, Jesus is my Lord and Savior. Now, when we're ashamed, what is Jesus saying? And he's really talking about even, I use this as an altar call often. See, if I'm ashamed to accept Jesus Christ, every service people come to, and they can be ashamed at the altar call. Why would a person be ashamed to say, I'm proud to confess Jesus Christ? Because they're going to have to first admit what? They're a, a sinner. Does anybody here want to admit you're a sinner? I don't like to admit I'm a sinner. You don't either. What is that? That's the fear of man. Well, if I stand and get saved, what are these people going to think? What are they going to think at work? What happened to you yesterday? We had a great weekend. I, became, I heard that somebody told me you became a Christian. They were in the church and saw you stand. You came down front. Really? Are you going to be one of those guys at work now? You should say this. Hallelujah. Yes, I am. Watch me. Watch, 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 watch me. No, you don't do that. I want everybody to just raise one hand. Everybody just raise one hand. I want you to look up, and I want you to say this to God. I'm not ashamed of you, God. Come on. I'm not ashamed of you, God. Oh, hallelujah. Easy to do in here, not so much outside. But he warns, if you refuse to get saved because you're afraid of man, then on judgment day, I will say these words. I never knew you, and your fear of man will destine you to hell. I can't get to heaven by being afraid what people will think of me when I admit I'm a sinner. By the way, everyone is a sinner. So when we stand, we've all had to make that public declaration of God. Notice what Romans 10, 9 says, that if you confess with your mouth and Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved, simply. Now, also, If we fear man, what people think, what does that do to VIO, the value and impact? What does that do to our testimony? If I'm afraid of my neighborhood work at some point when God opens the door and someone says, you know, uh, my my spouse just got a bad word from the doctor. My kid is young and and, and he's on drugs. I don't know what to do. And and that's an open door for a Christian. Okay. Uh, uh, Do you have anything to do with God? No, I really don't know God. Well, let me introduce you to a God. If I'm afraid of what that person is going to say, what is that going to do to my testimony? I'm not going to say a thing. So if I'm afraid to pronounce and proclaim that I'm a Christian, that I'm born again because of God's love and grace. If I'm afraid to do that because of what are people going to think at work, school, relatives, whatever, I'm useless in the kingdom of God. Because I will never share my faith. See, that's what Jesus says. Never be afraid to publicly confess that you are born again. 
and that you're going to heaven because of God's grace. Now look at verse 10. This one is confusing to a lot of people. Look at me for a moment. If you have any church background, you've heard somebody say this. What is the unpardonable sin? Or they'll say this. Have I committed the unpardonable sin? Often I have people email me or come talk to me at the end of a service, like all pastors. And they ask that question. Well, Jesus addresses it. Let me see you, uh, give you the answer this morning. Look at verse 10. And everyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man, Jesus, will be forgiven. But anyone who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. What is the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit? Let me ask you to write this down. It's a good thing for all Christians to understand this. It's very simple. Here it is. The blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is to continue rejecting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, continuing to reject to become a Christian until it's too late. Now, in Jesus' day, there was another option to it. I'll explain this one in a moment. When Jesus healed people, the chapter before in Luke 11, when he healed people, the Pharisees who were angry at Jesus, didn't believe he was Jesus, didn't believe he was the Messiah. You know what they said to Jesus? You're healing those people by the power of Satan. Who was he healing those people through? The power of the Holy Spirit. What had they just done? Blasphemed the Holy Spirit. Claiming the Holy Spirit was what? Satan. But in our day, we don't see that. What is blasphemy of the Holy Spirit? It's simple. The Holy Spirit, when he came, Jesus said, I'm leaving. I'm replaced. God's replacing me with the God, the Holy Spirit. And the first thing the scripture says, he will always talk about Jesus. The Holy Spirit would not talk about himself. Now, why would he talk about Jesus? Well, how do I get to heaven? Did the Holy Spirit die for me? No, who died for you? So he's the way and the truth and the life. And nobody gets to God. Nobody gets to heaven without going through him. So who will the Holy Spirit always talk about? Jesus. So in this service right now, that's the first role. The Holy Spirit is always going to talk about Jesus. Now, what is the Holy Spirit's role with unbelievers? We learned it last week. He's alongside of us. So in this service, if you're not a Christian, you know what the Holy Spirit's saying to you right now? You need to confess. Quit being ashamed of what other people are going to think that you became a Christian because that's the only way you're going to get to heaven. Now, you are going to die one day and you don't want to die without Jesus. So he's convicting us. So what does the unpardonable sin mean? It means this, that through my life, if I never agree with the Holy Spirit, then I'm a sinner. He's convicting of sin. Sin's what separates us from God. If I never agree that I'm a sinner, which is the Holy Spirit speaking to me, then I can never be a Christian. If that lasts to the day I die and there's no change, I have just committed the unpardonable sin. And is there any solution to that? No, it's unpardonable. It's gone. Well, what kind of a God is that? No, no, no. It's about God. It's about you. You refuse the Holy Spirit. You absolutely refuse. The thing he does best is tell us 
Mm-mm, you're not right. You need to commit it. You need to understand it. You need to absolutely repent. Let me give you a perfect illustration of this. When Jesus died on the cross, remember two thieves. How many remember that? Do you remember it? Two thieves. Basically, at the beginning, they both kind of were against Jesus. Then the one thief said to Jesus, look, if you're God, get off this crazy cross and save us. What's wrong with you? And the other thief, when he heard Jesus say to the people out front, Father, forgive them. He's saying next to Jesus, he goes, okay, that no man could say that. I'm not saying that. That is the Son of God. And what did he say to Jesus? Today, I'm, I'm repenting. I believe in you. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. And what did Jesus do? What did he say? Today you'll be with me in paradise because he repented. So this man up to his death had been saying what to the Holy Spirit? No, 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 not sin. I'm not a sinner. No chance. Not interested. Jesus, forget it. Nothing, nothing, nothing. That day, whoop, right at the end, whoop, got it. Where did he end up? Come on, where did he end up? Other thief. What did he committed right to the end? The unpardonable sin. Why? Because he refused to what? Repent. Where did he end up? Hell. What kind of a God is that? A God that gives us choice. Well, Pastor Mark, when do I have to do it? Can I wait right to the end? Sure. If you know when the end is. You already told me you don't. You don't know how, when, where. So what's the smart thing to do? What the Bible says. Today is a day of salvation. Because if I don't, if I continue to harden my heart, you might love what you heard this morning, but pretty soon you go, you know, forget all that stuff. And you will be like the thief. That's the unpardonable sin. Now, a lot of people come up, and this is, this is important for you to understand it, because you'll have people say this to you when they hear about this. And they'll say, Pastor Mark, I think I've committed the unpardonable sin. Man, I'm going to hell. I'm, I just... Is there anything I could do? I know it's unpardonable. I think I've committed it. Let me just say that. If you are concerned that you committed the unpardonable sin, you have not committed the unpardonable sin. (laughs) Do you get it? Because why? You're concerned about it. So who's helping you with the concern? The Holy Spirit. Get right, get right, get right, get right. (laughs) Right. Does that make you feel better? Amen. So at the end of the service, if you're not saved, today's the day. Today's the day. Today's the day. Now, yeah. verse 11. And when you are brought before synagogues and rulers and authorities, don't worry about how you'll defend yourself or what you will say. Of course, the disciples were always brought there. We'll have to be there. Maybe one day as a pastor, I'll go before a court here in town. It says, if you continue to teach that marriage is one man and one woman for life, uh, we're going to put you in jail. Said Pastor Mark, that'll never happen. Oh, it's happening all over the world. Could happen. The disciples all faced these people. Remember John and Peter, right at the beginning of the church. God healed a man through them. They're put right in the jail. They came before the authorities. Now, what did you do? Explain. Notice what he says. Don't worry about how what you're going to say, what you're going to do. The Holy Spirit will teach you at the time you say. What did we learn? The Holy Spirit is our divine helper. He'll give you the words to share at that moment. Relax. He's got you covered. And then watch this. 
Verse 13. Someone in the crowd said to him, teacher. So this man interrupts with 10,000 people. He interrupts Jesus teaching. Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. I heard somebody say this. I think it's terrific. When there's a will, there'll be lots of relatives. (laughs) Can I hear an amen? (laughs) See, when there's a will, oh, there'll be lots of relatives. They come out of the woodwork. Who are you? 47th cousin on the left side. That's what. (laughs) Now, what is Jesus going to answer to this? See, I don't have time this morning. This goes back to Old Testament when the elder son would get more than the younger son. That's probably one of those kind of deals. Look, Look what Jesus says in verse 14. Jesus replied, man, who appointed me as a judge or an arbitrator between you? So he doesn't respond to it at all. He refuses to give the man his opinion. But you know why he's doing that? You'll see in a moment. He goes to the root of the problem. The root of the problem is, and that's not right over here. The root of the problem is, watch me, greed. He goes right to the root of the problem, and he teaches his disciples how to defeat greed. Now, my sinful nature is to be a taker and not a giver. Don't look at me like that because you have the same nature. That's where greed comes from. That's the old nature. Now, when God changes us, he wants us to be a giver and not a taker. So he's going to teach us, all of us this morning, what that looks like. So here we go. Watch this. Then he said to them, he's going to give a story. Watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. A man's life, very interesting definition, a man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. So here Jesus goes back to the Old Testament, Exodus 20. He pulls out the 10th commandment. Don't covet. Don't desire your neighbor's house and car and this and that and wife and all the stuff they had. Wow, what a house I wish I had. Don't covet. It's just nothing but greed. And so he, Jesus says, if you live with this attitude that life is all about accumulating stuff, you have the wrong definition of life. Now think about this. What is real life? What is the correct definition? of? We're here. What is life all about? You know this. Here it is. Real life is having a personal relationship with God. That's what real life is. The Bible says it smack in the center. 1 John 5, he who has the son, Jesus, a relationship with Jesus, has life. He who does not have the son does not have life. You can't substitute a relationship with God with stuff. It's not equal. Nothing wrong with stuff. You'll see in a moment, God loves to bless us with stuff. But that is not life. We think we have all the time in the world to do important things, but we know that people die around us all the time. Pastor Mark taught that we need to do the critical things today while we still have time to do them. We also were told about the battle between the flesh and the spirit, how we need the help of the Holy Spirit to carry out the will of God. Social media is a huge blessing that most of us use every day. We want to encourage you to become our Facebook friend and follow our Twitter feed. 
At the Facebook page and Twitter feed, we post information about upcoming events, discipleship articles, and encouraging quotes that will inspire you in your walk with Jesus. Log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the links to the Calvary Chapel Melbourne Facebook page and Twitter feed, or simply search for Calvary CCM on Facebook or Twitter. We even have a specific Facebook page for the Vieira campus. Simply search for Calvary CCM and you'll see the Vieira Campus Facebook page in the search results. Again, to like our Facebook page and subscribe to our Twitter feed, log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Again, our web address is LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Next time, Pastor Mark will conclude this particular sermon. He'll be teaching about our need to not be selfish but generous. He will show how God is our first example of selfless generosity. We will learn more about what actually happens to our stuff and our need to keep a loose grip on Him. May God have mercy on us as we try to be obedient to Him. You've been listening to Lessons for Living with Pastor Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Please join us again here on Lessons for Living, and together, let's do life right. In a hurting world, a new hope he is given.